0: I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to our text for this Lord's Day, as it's found in Daniel chapter 6, verses 11 through 17. Daniel 6, verses 11 through 17. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree That every man that shall ask a petition of any God or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children, of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king, and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is, that no decree nor statute which the king establisheth may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel, and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lord's, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. There are times when it would appear From all that we can see, that the wicked conspiracies of the mighty have indeed succeeded in destroying those who uphold the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. For you see, dear ones, if we only consider what we can see with these eyes, our fears will run away with us. They will carry us into a panic mode. Our sovereign God puts us into seemingly hopeless situations before powerful enemies, not to cast us into panic, not to cast us into despair, but that we might look away from what we can see with our eyes or what we hear with our ears, that we might look away from all of our own human resources to cast ourselves upon him and his infinite power and wisdom and help. This was what the psalmist did. This is what David did when fear surrounded him. He says in Psalm 121 too, My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. If my God can make heaven and earth, he can certainly deliver me. He can certainly take care of me. He can certainly provide for me in whatever situation I find myself in. Daniel's situation looked hopeless from all that could be observed of the situation. Those who envied him and sought his destruction were mightier and more numerous than Daniel as far as earthly power and numbers. They had conspired, and it appeared that they had a foolproof plan to destroy Daniel, and it was in the making. It was working out exactly as they had planned. However, dear ones, mere appearances are deceiving and misleading. That's why we are taught in Scripture that we must not walk by sight. We must not walk by feelings, but by faith in who God is, in his might, in his power, in his wisdom, in his love, in his tender mercies. And we must also walk in the promises of God that is made unto us, a God who cannot lie. Whatever you face, dear ones, by way of a wicked conspiracy or by way of some great trial that you are facing in your life right now that seems hopeless, it is not hopeless. It is not hopeless, because God, because God. God is ever faithful. God is ever faithful to his own. Cling to the promise that Paul gives to us in First Corinthians 10:13, "There hath no temptation, or we might translate it. Trial. There no t- temptation or trial taken you, but such as is common to man. Sometimes we think we're going through a, a particular trial and it's absolutely unique to us. No one's ever gone through what we're going through. No one's ever faced what we're facing right now. This is hopeless. God says, don't think that way. What you're going through is not unique to you, is not common to you, but it is common to everyone. It's common to man. But, but God is faithful. God is faithful. Man may not be faithful. Conspirators may not be faithful. Those who would seek to destroy us may not be faithful except to their own wicked causes, but not to God. But God is faithful. He will be faithful to himself. He'll be faithful to his promises and he will be faithful to us, his people. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted or tried. Above that ye are able, that will with the temptation or the trial, also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it that you may be able to bear it, not escape it, but be able to bear it. The escaping of the trial that uh, the Lord speaks of, a way of escape, is not to escape the trial, but to escape the misery or the, uh, the, the uh, evil of the trial. God doesn't intend it for our evil. He intends it for our good. Main points from our text this Lord's Day are these. The conspirators bring evidence against Daniel in Daniel 6, verses 11 through 13. Second main point, the king seeks to deliver Daniel in Daniel 6, 14 through 15. And the last main point, the deliverance of Daniel seems hopeless in Daniel 6. 16 through 17. So our first main point, the conspirators bring evidence against Daniel, verses 11 through 13. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Just to bring us uh, kind of up to where we began our text this Lord's Day, you recall that a wicked conspiracy had been formed by those who hated and envied Daniel because of his righteousness. His his excellent spirit we read and because uh, the king had purposed to elevate Daniel over uh, the others um, the other leaders the other presidents there were three presidents Daniel was one of them but he had the king had purposed and planned to exalt Daniel to elevate him over the other two and over all of the other lords and princes of the kingdom due to Daniel's faithfulness. And so uh, a conspiracy was formed. They searched, and they searched and tried to find something, anything that they might use against Daniel uh, in the administration of his government duties. Uh, but they could find absolutely nothing of which to accuse him. We read in verse 4, Daniel 6, 4. And finally, they they concluded they must frame a law that would force Daniel to disobey the king's law in order to obey God's law. Because they were convinced of Daniel's character and his testimony and his witness, he's not going to disobey God's law. So if we can frame a law that would pit him against the king uh, in obeying God over the king, then we've got him we've entrapped him. In verses 5 through 7, this is noted. The king was actually flattered, I believe, by this law, and that's why he signed it, because no petition was to be made to any other person or to any other god except to him for 30 days. And so, this was a matter of flattering the king in order to get the king to sign the decree, making it irrevocable according to the law of the Medes and the Persians. Not even he, the king, could change the law once he signed it, according to verse 9. Upon hearing the decree, Daniel uh, altered not at all, his regular private worship, which he offered to God. And in so doing, he willingly, knowingly, he defied the king's law in order to keep God's law, in verse 10. And so the trap was set by these wicked conspirators. And in our text today, we see them catch Daniel in the trap and watch them seek to destroy him in what appears to be the very end of Daniel. So as our text continues today, a group of the wicked conspirators have assembled outside Daniel's residence to catch him in the act of his regular Private worship at home which as we note uh, he did not alter uh, in the least in verse 11 and in verse 13 then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God and then they took the matter uh, to the king in verse 13 they set this trap for Daniel and you know They set the trap, but he willingly walked into it. He knew what he was doing. He knew that there would be consequences for him walking into their trap. He didn't walk into it unwittingly, unknowingly, but he walked into it knowing that the worst, as it were, could happen by way of his own life. He could have avoided uh, the trap by simply praying elsewhere, another location than where he normally prayed so that he could be seen and visible. He could have avoided. Why didn't he avoid that? Why did he willingly walk into that trap? Well, I would suggest he did so in order to leave for us a testimony That we need not fear what man can do unto us when we honor the Lord above all and obey his commandments supremely. We need not fear man and what man can do unto us. I suggest, dear ones, rather let us fear in disobeying God. Let us fear... Taking the easy path rather than taking the faithful path. The easy path is usually taken because people think there are no consequences to taking the easy path. But I dare say unto you that the easy path in following our feelings always has worse consequences than taking the hard path. Whether those consequences be now or later as we stand before God. The mere laws of man, dear ones, must not and must never be viewed as unalterable. We must never view the Mere laws of men as unalterable. Only God's moral law is unalterable and unchangeable. And so we ask the question, should we ever disobey the Lord in order to obey an unlawful command from those who are over us? Daniel clearly, I believe, answers that question for us. No. No, never. Not even the threat of painful consequences should lead us down that easy path To in order to avoid those consequences. The threat of painful consequences should never keep us from our loyalty, our supreme loyalty to Jesus Christ and obedience to him and to his holy commandments. It's not easy. It's not easy to walk the faithful path. It's not easy for any of us to walk the faithful path. But God here shows us What is right, and as he empowered Daniel, so he will empower us when we are committed to following him. The apostles faced a very similar situation where they were commanded not to teach any longer in the name of Jesus, and this was their response. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men in Acts 5.29. And that's what Daniel did. I must obey God rather than men. So having now the evidence that the conspirators sought They immediately seek an audience with the king to present unto the king and to no doubt gloat over the fact that they have now the goods on Daniel. They've caught him in the trap. They've ensnared him. In verses 12 through 13, we see they come before the king and they present their testimony uh, before the king at that time. But interestingly, they've not only uh, entrapped Daniel, but they have likewise entrapped and ensnared the king himself. Whereas Daniel knowingly walked into the trap, the king has unknowingly done so. Why was he led to walk into their trap? Well, very simply, his pride was flattered by the law that they wanted him to sign. That only for 30 days, people should only come to him with any petitions, that he would be like God. He was flattered by the law. And he was blindly then led into the trap. And dear ones, this is where flattery leads us. It's where flattery leads us, it ensnares us. Proverbs 20, 29, verse 5, states, A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. That's what flattery is all about. It's seeking to spread a net for a neighbor's feet, to ensnare them, to entrap them. Let us be careful, therefore, to avoid... Ourselves using flattery to ensnare others by our boasting about them so that later on they will help us in some way. A tit for a tat. What we say to others, dear ones, must be sincere. What we say to others must be meant to encourage Them, not expecting anything from them for the encouragement we give to them. Flattery, dear ones, is at least two things flattery is deception, flattery is a deception, and secondly, flattery is a manipulation. Flattery is a deception because it's insincere. And usually flattery is exaggerated. It's usually some type of, of building somebody up uh, to such an extent that it's, a, it's beyond reality. It's beyond what we know to be true. And so it's a deception. But it's also, flattery is also a manipulation. It's using others for our own selfish ends. To accomplish and to reach certain uh, uh, desires that we have. Because flattery, dear ones, expects to be repaid in some way. Whether now or later. As we see from these conspirators in Daniel 6, they flattered the king in order to get the approval of the king and then they knew that if they got the approval of the king, they would get eventually what they wanted. How many sinful compromises have come from flattery, and building up someone's ego, or building up someone's lusts. How many immoral relationship uh, relationships have begun by way of flattery? You're the most handsome, or you're the most beautiful. You are this, you are that which leads again to getting what one ultimately wants. It's grooming another person in order to get what one wants. Flattery is. How many occasions for gossip have begun with flattery? Oh, I know I can trust you. Uh, You are one who will not uh, tell anybody else what I'm about to tell you. And so begins with flattery and gossip is passed on. Or at the office or at work, how many times is lying and cheating or stealing on behalf or for the boss begin with the supervisor, begin with flattery, trying to flatter the employee. Dear ones, I, in all earnestness, ask, pray for me and encourage me to be faithful, but do not flatter me. Do not flatter me. I have enough problem with pride as it is. I do not need any help by way of flattery. My pride doesn't need any help by way of, pro- uh, of flattery. But let us also, dear ones, be careful that we ourselves are not entrapped. Not only that we not entrap others by way of flattery, but we ourselves are not entrapped by the flattery that comes from others. Let us be wise, thinking to ourselves, why does he or she Speak to me with such flattering words. What does he or she want from me? What loyalty from me does this flattery expect later on? You see, Durrance, when we yield to flattery, we do so because we want our pride stroked. That's what we get from the flattery just as the pride of Darius was stroked by these conspirators, that no one should come to any other god or to any other person except to him. Remember, dear ones, when our pride yields to flattery, there will be a payday. There will be a payday demanded by the flatterer as was true here when the conspirators now assemble before the king with their demand that the law be executed against Daniel. Finally, the conspirators reveal who it is that they have found disobeying the law of the king, Daniel whom they describe in verse 13 as a despicable captive from Judah who had proven himself to be disloyal to the king and to show contempt for the king, though the king had been so kind and good to Daniel. The king had honored him, and this is the way that Daniel repaid the king was by showing contempt to the king for the laws that he had signed. That was, that was how they presented the case to the king. The way that they describe Daniel reveals really to the king who was the law intended to entrap. It was intended to entrap Daniel. But the king himself had to be entrapped by way of signing it into law before Daniel could be entrapped. The second main point, the king seeks to deliver Daniel in verses 14 through 15. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is, that no decree nor statute which the king establisheth may be changed. The king, we read, was displeased, sore displeased uh, with himself. He was very displeased, very upset. No doubt he was very displeased over the envious plot uh, to destroy Daniel. They hadn't brought anybody else uh, to, uh, before the king uh, to be tried. It was Daniel that they had brought, Daniel alone. But he was also, uh, no doubt, displeased with himself uh, that he had, in effect, unwittingly signed Daniel's death warrant by way of this wicked law. As he saw, at this point, I'm sure, as he saw that the design of the conspiracy was for Daniel. Darius' payday for having been seduced by the flattery of others has now come. Receiving flattery strengthened the pride of Darius rather than subduing his pride. It made him, dear ones, more vulnerable to the deception of others to receive flattery made him more vulnerable to deception not more vigilant and watchful he's now paying the debt owed to the flattery that he relished in it's hard dear ones for all of us it's hard for us But by the power of the Holy Spirit, let us learn not to crave to be flattered by others. Because that's our natural tendency. Our natural nature, sinful nature, craves to be flattered by others. But let us learn not to want and crave and desire to be flattered. Whether it be about our appearance, Flattered about our appearance, whether about our, our intelligence, our success, whether about our possessions, our bank accounts, whether about our knowledge of the truth, whether about our growth in holiness, whether about the way that we have raised our children, whether about our gifts and abilities, let us not crave to be flattered about these things. It is a trap. It is a trap. Receive. Receive sincere encouragement that comes from others who simply want to build us up and strengthen us in persevering in faithfulness and holiness. Receive sincere encouragement with humility of mind and give glory from the heart to the Lord for what he's accomplished in your life. Beware always of giving preferential treatment to anyone based upon what they say about you. Seek to treat everyone justly and always endeavor to speak the truth in love without partiality. Darius sought all the legal means available to him to deliver Daniel from the lion's den. The fact that Darius was entrapped by these conspirators, he could not even use that, that he was entrapped. He could not even use that to overturn the law that he had signed in order to deliver Daniel. Even though he, even if he could prove that that he was seduced, even if he could prove he was entrapped by others, once it was signed, there was nothing that could be done. And so he feverishly worked up until the very final, last hour of the day to overcome the finality and the unchangeability of the law that he had signed, but to no avail. No doubt the conspirators had heard of all the effort that Darius was exerting in order to uh, seek deliverance for Daniel. And so they assembled together before the king in order to pour water on all and any and all of his efforts to deliver Daniel, reminding him reminding him that the law of the Medes and the Persians could not be altered in the least, in Daniel 6.15. You see, though he may have been an absolute ruler in certain ways, he could not change the law that he had signed. The third and final main point The deliverance of Daniel seems hopeless. In verses 16 through 17. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lord's, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. With all legal means and human hope now exhausted, the king resigned himself to carry out this wicked law against a just man in order to maintain his royal power. That was what was most important to him because he was not willing again to suffer any loss on his part but in order to maintain his royal power you see where his heart ultimately was even though again it appears that he did care for Daniel at least up to a certain point. As Daniel is being cast into the Den of lions, Darius probably here expresses not a prediction that God, that Daniel's God will deliver him, but rather a wish that Daniel's God might deliver him. That is also another uh, interpretation of the words that we find in, in the Authorized Version, which speaks of God will deliver, but another. Um, viable interpretation is that God might deliver and that probably is more likely what was said Not uh, because Darius is not uh, a believer in Jehovah God Um, but he looks at all the gods uh, he's a polytheist he looks at all of the gods as having some purpose as perhaps in some way defending uh, those that call out to him and so uh, that, again, most likely was an, a wish that was expressed by Darius to Daniel. And finally, the stone is placed over the lion's den and sealed with the king's royal signet, probably wax with an impression of his ring into the wax, as well as that of the Lord's, uh, uh, which basically ensured. Uh, that if anyone tampered with that seal, to remove that seal, uh, that their life was in jeopardy. They would lose their life uh, in tampering with that. If they try, anyone tried to set Daniel free, uh, that would be uh, at the cost of their own life. It appears from all that can be seen, from all that can be observed here, that Daniel is hopeless and has fallen into the conspiracy of the wicked with no hope of escape. That is what, Darwin's walking by sight, walking by hearing, walking by feelings, would tell us. There's no hope, Daniel. There's no hope for Daniel. Would that not be the case? Would that not be the case... When you or when I walk by mere sight, walk by feelings, walk by merely what we hear others say, that situations look totally hopeless. There's no way out. But dear ones, in Scripture we are taught not to walk by sight. We're not to walk by our feelings. We are rather to walk by faith. In who God is, in His greatness, His power, His might, and in His promises that He cannot break. We cannot, dear ones, walk by sight or feelings and at the same time walk by faith. They're mutually exclusive. When we're walking by sight or feelings, we're not walking by faith. And when we're walking by faith, we're not walking by sight or by feelings. Walking by sight and feelings you know, leads to worry, leads to panic, leads to despair. Whereas walking by faith in who God is what is promised, that leads to rest, leads to peace, it leads to hope. Well, let me tell you, as we leave Daniel for, for this, uh, the rest of the sermon here, let me tell you about another seemingly hopeless case. It leads hopeless to the sight of man. And it's about Jesus Christ. Jesus willingly walked into the trap of the Pharisees, of the Sanhedrin. He suffered crucifixion and death upon a cross out of love for his people in order to set his people free from the guilt and condemnation of sin. He was buried in a tomb, not in a lion's den, but in a tomb in which his enemies and conspirators rolled a stone over the tomb. And they sealed it with the governor's seal so that none would try to remove the stone from out of its place upon the pain of death. And guards were even set about the tomb to prevent his body from being taken from that tomb. From appearances, it seemed hopeless. That's what walking by sight would tell us. It's hopeless. Jesus is dead. He's in the tomb. And even his disciples at that time believed it. But walking by faith tells us that it was impossible for death, for the tomb, for the large stone that was rolled over the tomb, for the seal that was put upon the tomb, and and the soldiers that kept the watch over the tomb. It was impossible for them to keep Jesus in that tomb. He gloriously arose from the dead and revealed himself to many witnesses for 50 days until his ascension into heaven. And he arose in order to demonstrate that he is the Son of God. He has the power over death and life. And he arose from the dead to demonstrate that his sacrifice for the sins of his people was paid in full. Not one sin can be brought against the charge of God's elect, for it is God that justifieth. The seeming hopelessness of Daniel's situation, of Christ's situation, or that situation that you are right now in, That hopelessness, dear ones, in Christ is vanquished. It's vanquished because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Therefore, walk not by your feelings. Walk not by sight, but walk by faith in the power, in the wisdom, in the mercy, and in the promises of Jesus Christ. Listen not to the enemy who would whisper, as it were, in your ear that what you are experiencing right now is hopeless. That's what he wants you to believe. It's hopeless. God's deliverance to you or to me may not come in the way that we want it to come. It may not come in the way that we have prayed For it to come. But God's deliverance through Jesus Christ is promised to all who look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. Who look in faith to the crucified and to the resurrected Christ. And that deliverance comes chiefly, supremely. It's a deliverance from bondage to sin bondage to fear, bondage to worry, bondage to despair, bondage to loneliness. And rather, that deliverance is a deliverance unto a glorious freedom and liberty of forgiveness rather than sin. A glorious liberty of courage rather than the bondage of fear. A glorious liberty of peace rather than the bondage of worry. A glorious liberty of hope rather than the bondage of despair. And a glorious freedom of communion with Jesus Christ rather than loneliness. Understand that hopeless and impossible are not even in God's vocabulary. He's the God that works that which is impossible to man. He is sovereign and he can do whatever he in his wisdom and his righteousness wills to do. That's the God of hope that we serve, even in the face of all manner of conspiracies of the wicked that are brought against us. God, be praised. Please stand with me in prayer. Father in heaven, we look to thee, we praise thee that thou hast revealed thyself again through thy word to be the God of hope. A God who works not by what we can see or feel, but who works according to his own holy and most wise will. Lord, our We have been truly convicted of the many ways that we walk according to sight, according to hearing, according to feelings, but Father, may we not remain there, may we as thy people confess our sin and and endeavor every day to walk by faith in who thou art, the mighty God loving God, wise God and may we Lord walk in faith clinging to thy promises clinging to thy promises who aren't a, a God who cannot lie with whom it is impossible to lie we pray Father that thou would bind up our hearts today thou dost know whatever it is that we're going through and thou hast given to us this this example of of daniel lord to encourage our hearts not to flatter us but to encourage our hearts father we ask that thou would hear us in jesus name amen